no my hearty my kia it's whanau. Awesome to see you. Would you like to grab a seat? And we're going to continue on. Uh, for those of you who are new, my name's Catherine. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's uh, great to welcome you on live stream too, everybody. So this morning I'm wanting to speak um, on face to face, being face to face. Kanohi ki kanohi. Um, beholding and becoming. Continuing in our Kingdom Life series, talking this morning. And um, we know that everything starts and finishes with being in God's presence, right? Do we know that? Yes. And we're a church that we love to be in the presence of God. We love worship. And thanks so much, team. You did a great job. Isn't it awesome? Man, we are so blessed with amazing musicians here at Harmony, um, and it's it's such a blessing to to benefit from your ministry. Thank you, <laughs> and it's really nice to be able to retire. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> Um, But deeper than every Christian is a God-giving longing for that depth, to come into that place of presence, to be more like Christ. And we're not content as we are. We want to be changed. This longing comes from the Holy Spirit and who, who also gives us that desire and that longing. But he also fills with us a zeal and a longing to glorify God. And we want to please him, right? I want to please God. I want to be pleasing to my daddy. How can we become more like him? In 1 Corinthians it says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And in Psalms it says, seek more of his strength, seek more of him. Let's always be seeking the light of his face. And in 2 Corinthians it says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, I believe this morning you're wanting to show us more of yourself. As we've already heard, Lord, you're wanting to take off those, take off those masks so that we can receive the full revelation of your goodness and your glory. You have so much more for each one of us. And as we gather, I thank you for the keys you're going to release and unlock in each of our lives to become more like you. Hallelujah. Well, I want to go straight to a story about a woman called Helen Lemmel. She was born in in England in 1863, and Helen's Methodist minister father moved the family to the U.S. when she was quite young. But from an early age, her parents noticed that she had an, an extraordinary gift in music. And so she continued to grow and gain a reputation for her talent. She travelled through America and and uh, ended up holding concerts and singing what was on the gospel the gospel circuit. Then I don't know what that looked like, but it probably didn't look like what it does today. But then she moved to Germany in 1907 to refine her singing ability, and there she met and married a wealthy European man. 
After four years in Europe, Helen returned to the US, touring with a mixture of her own songs and patriotic songs and familiar hymns. At the pinnacle of fame, tragedy struck. Helen went blind after a severe illness. Her husband abandoned her, not wishing to have to care for a blind wife and leaving her financially destitute. Nice guy. While standing on a street corner in 1918, she was handed a small Christian tract written by Lilius Trotter, a missionary woman in Africa. Lilius was born in England with an extraordinary artistic talent. She was primarily a self-taught painter, but was told by the leading authority of the time that she would be the greatest living painter and do things that would be immortal if she would only devote herself to art. Trotter, instead, felt a draw to missionary work, and whenever she prayed the words, North Africa sounded in her soul as though a voice were calling her. She ended up working and dying in Algeria and there wrote a poem which was included in that tract that Helen received on that street corner. A single line in the tract gripped Helen's heart. So then, turn your eyes upon him, look full into his face, and you will find that the things of earth will acquire a strange new dimness. Her heart song became the best known hymn that she wrote uh, called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. She wrote the song after she turned blind. She would sit at the piano and her fingers would find the notes while her companions would then record what she wrote. She would go on to writing over 500 Christian songs and hymns over her lifetime and died at 97. What we behold shapes our lives. If Helen had only beheld her circumstances, she would have just become a bitter person. Let's face it. Instead, she learned how to fix her eyes on Jesus, and her spiritual insight has continued to encourage us for decades and generations. We are all born with a face to tell us who we are. Can I have that slide of my beautiful Hawaii up there? Scientific studies have shown that even newborns with their eyesight, which is limited to about 30 centimetres, prefer to look at familiar faces. Seven-hour-old newborns will look around trying to make eye contact with people. They have this innate instinct to create strong relational bonds through face-to-face interaction. At two days old, they prefer faces that look back at them and they will scan past those who don't focus on their eyes and they'll come back and look at the eyes of those who return their gaze. By four months old, the people who have locked eyes with them for the greatest amount of time become embedded into the relational centre of their brain for life. That's incredible, isn't it? And who does a baby look at? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Babies are born with a desire to seek a face that will tell them who they are. 
And as we go to the Bible, we look at Adam and Eve. When God created Adam and Eve, Father God bent over the earth, forming Adam's body and breathes his breath into Adam. Ruach, the breath of God. What would have been the first thing Adam saw? God's face. And the same thing goes for Eve. And in Genesis we read, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. They were born looking into the face that would tell them whose image they were created in. And we know this was how it started out. But through sin, they lost access to God's face. And instead we find them hiding their faces and hiding themselves from him afraid in the garden. And we have separation. We know a main narrative in the Bible, though, the good news, is about restoration of intimacy and face-to-face relationship. We are created for face-to-face intimacy. When we don't have the real thing, we will create a counterfeit. God's people created counterfeits in worship when they created the golden calf. Moses, on the other hand, when he encountered God, would come out of God's presence with his face shining, glowing with beams of supernatural light. We behold what we desire. We become what we behold. What you truly desire, you will look at and you will live in the fruit of the things you turn your eyes towards. What are you turning your eyes toward? (laughs) Thanks, team. (laughs) Oh, what? Welcome home. (laughs) Toby and Livia, (laughs) you made it. I was really worried about those planes flying in yesterday. (laughs) Um, They've been in America for the last five weeks. What you truly desire, you will look at. Shane Willard is a known Bible teacher. He's uh, studied really the Hebraic roots of Scripture. And in his teaching on the Lord's Prayer, he says the correct, he says the correct translation or a translation of the first line in Hebrew is not our Father who art in heaven. Making God a Father who is absent and not close to us at all. It makes him a God whose face we cannot see out there in the nether regions and not really connected with our lives. And yet Shane says just how revolutionary Jesus was talking about prayer and conversation and relationship with God. Jesus said, don't go on babbling, thinking that your many words are going to help you connect with God to get your prayers answered. Heaven already knows what you need before you even ask. Don't be like the pagans, which is anyone who thinks God hears them because they use lots of words. Instead, he says, the translation from Hebrew should read, Our Father, and can I put that uh, beautiful hongi picture up there? Our Father, who is as close to me as the air that I breathe. That's incredible. Here we are so close to God's face that we share his breath like we do when we hongi. We can only do that face to face. Kanohi kita kanohi. In life, there are just some things 
that we just have to do face-to-face, right? And last week I was sharing, um, last Sunday night, I was just sharing about how it's so easy to misconstrue communications. Have you ever had a text and read it with the person's uh, voice in your head thinking, ooh, you know, um, and totally misconstruing what they meant? If we miss people's facial expressions and misread tone in their messages and we get a whole different message to if we meet face-to-face. So I, got to just, I just had a couple of slides that I used last Sunday night. But it's just, um, the first one is, I'll have your blood in a little pink bucket drop by drop. Thank you very much. Now that, that feels okay, right? But then we have the second slide, which says, I'll have your blood in a little pink bucket, drop by drop. Same exact words, very different facial expressions. And it can be the same with God. Unless we're coming face to face, it's so easy for us to misread him and his purposes and his deep love for us because he loves us. He has good things for us. His heart is towards you. It's for you. It's not against you. King David was known as a man after God's own heart. He was a man who pursued God's face. And I think that's why God said that he was a man after his own heart. In Psalm, it says, Psalm 27, it says, That I may dwell in the house of the Lord to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to behold. And that was David's desire more than any other thing. David gave his life to make sure people would see that God was the most magnificent person. Most of the Psalms are full of him making God great and praising God. And we need to also give our lives to making sure that God is seen and glorified. Not to be absorbed with building our own kingdoms, where we need to be the main authority and focus, but building his kingdom. We need to live our life so that the glory of God can be seen. When people see you, what do they see? Do they see the glory of God on your life? I used to love it when we used to go uh, evangelizing in YWAM and and, uh, in the local village we got known as the, oh, you know, those people with the shiny faces. I thought that was so cool. That was God's glory being reflected. And uh, we were known as the shiny face people. (laughs) But we need to live our life so that the glory of God can be seen. And if he's not our greatest desire, we will not behold him. And then we will ultimately not become like him. And if we're not becoming like him, it means we are not beholding him. We have to begin with the Holy Spirit who awakens God-given desires and start to say no to the world's desires. We can come along to church with the hope that we will behold Jesus here. Because there is a corporate pride when we come together, the teams, the preachers, all the people serving, that we are creating an atmosphere with all that we do where we can behold Jesus. That's our purpose in our gatherings, to create a space where we can behold Jesus. 
And thank you to all of the teams who are making that happen, working behind the scenes, the tech team, the, the, those who are greeting, who are making coffees, who are cleaning, everything. We so appreciate you because this is together we make this all happen. Thank you for all those stewarding that so well and helping to facilitate people entering into the presence of God. We're here to encourage one another, learn from one another and share and celebrate when we can say, wow, you look different to what you did six months ago. But you can't be transformed by my journey and I can't be transformed by your journey. But we can be encouraged. We need to lock ourselves away in our secret place. I like what Derek Prince said. He said, you can join the church and not be changed. But you can't meet Jesus and not be changed. <laughs> That's such a good... The goal of, of beholding is not to behave like Jesus, but to become like Jesus. And why settle for behavior modification when heart transformation is available? <laughs> Discipleship is not the acquisition of information. Learning is really important part of the discipleship process. But if it does not lead to us beholding Jesus, it will fall short. We are the most informed generation ever. But are we the most transformed? If we only live in behavior modification, it leads to a problem because unless we were becoming like Jesus, we will still look and sound the same. We not only become what we behold, but we reproduce what we become. What are we reproducing? And if we don't behold God, we will begin to measure success or even Christian maturity on what we do to behold when we measure success by gazing at Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, we are sacrificing authenticity on the altar of approval because we're always ready for that photo capture, making sure the light is right, and hey, make sure you keep your filters on at all times. I have to confess during COVID, lockdown especially, like most of us probably, I spent way too much time looking at stuff that did not build me up. I got to the point where I started to feel quite sick and confused and even a little bit you know, fearful. A little bit worried about some of the stuff that I was seeing and reading and it started to take me not to a good place but to a dark place. And it started producing worry and anxiety. Instead of fixing my eyes on Jesus and letting the things of earth grow strangely dim, instead I was going, giving those things a magnifying glass and they were becoming bigger than Jesus. What are you making bigger than Jesus? I had to repent <laughs> and spend time more time with Jesus. See, the thing is, sometimes we say, oh, it's so hard to say no. But if our yes is big enough, the no becomes very small. So if we give a big yes 
to gazing on Jesus' face, it becomes easy to say no to other stuff that's not good for us. And when we measure success by gazing on our self-help principles, we will create a God in our own image. When we measure our success by gazing at our neighbour, our co-worker, the perfect mum at drop-off, the pastor of the bigger church down the street, or the friend who always just seems to get everything right, we won't become them, but we will forfeit our own souls and God-given individuality and calling on the altar of comparison, and we will say, why, God, didn't I ever experience the abundant life you promised me? Our role is to behold him and to let every distraction fall away. The Holy Spirit's role is to transform. We behold, he transforms. When we measure our success in these ways, we're cheating ourselves. Our role is to behold him. But how are we transformed into the image of Christ? by beholding the glory of the Lord. And who causes us to behold this glory? It's the Holy Spirit. And where do we behold this glory? Well, primarily in the Scriptures, as we soak in the Scriptures. President Woodrow Wilson said, I am sorry for men who do not read the Bible every day. I wonder why they deprive themselves of the strength and of the pleasure It is one of the most singular books in the world for every time you open it, some old text that you've read a score of times suddenly beams with a new meaning. There is no other book that I know of of which this is true. There is no other book that yields its meaning so personally that seems to fit itself so intimately to the very spirit that is seeking its guidance. Oh, I love that. Does this beholding just happen? In one sense, yes, for it's a gift of grace. But in another sense, beholding God's glory involves purposeful effort. I have to set the Lord always before me. I have to choose this day who I will serve. And the language of worship in Scripture is always the language of commitment, devotion, and surrender. So here then are three biblical ways we can purposely worship the Lord and be changed into his likeness. One, through contemplation, reflecting on God's and reflecting on God's worth. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. In contemplation, we slow down our minds and our hearts to ponder on God's word and reflect on his beauty. We read his word thoughtfully, pondering, its implications for our lives. Two, it's in praise. And we've just done that. We've just done a great job. It was awesome to praise the Lord this morning together, wasn't it? And here in praise and thanksgiving, we're declaring his worth. 
The scriptures encourage us to make our praise explicit by singing and making melody, melody to the Lord. In Ephesians 5, it says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So when, when we first got married, <laughs> should I go there? <laughs> um, oh, well, anybody who knows me knows I'm not a morning person, right? <laughs> On the other hand, <laughs> Gideon was. I'm not sure if she still are, but definitely was. And uh, <laughs> not with me. <laughs> uh, and... He was a big fan of integrity music, which um, was the predecessor to Hillsong and, and Bethel and Jesus' Image and all of those things. And he had, he had literally 23 T-shirts with all the album covers for integrity music on it. And in the, in the morning, he would come into the bedroom with one of those T-shirts on and not much else and <laughs> praise the Lord. And he would just call out and he would be just like, <laughs> glory, glory, Lord. <laughs> I give you glory, Lord. <laughs> glory, glory, Lord. You are the mighty God. <laughs> See, now, my biblical response was... <laughs> He who greets his, out of Proverbs, he who greets his friend with a loud voice in the morning shall be received as a curse. <laughs> his biblical response was, yes. Address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord as your heart in your integrity music t-shirt. <laughs> Early in the morning. When we sing, though, we join our voices together to testify to God's worth and beauty. Singing also lightens our hearts. Who knows that? There's a physiological thing that happens in our, in our lives, in our bodies, um, when we sing. And where nothing else can change, bring change. And it actually, it doesn't really change anything, but it just feels different. And God's built that into us. It's a beautiful mechanism, and I love it, and especially when it's purposeful worship songs. The third thing is an obedience and an action to service, displaying God's worth. The Bible is clear that our worship of God must find tangible expression in works of merciful neighbor love. In James, it talks says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. As we serve the church, help the poor and meet the needs of others, we demonstrate that Jesus is our true treasure. And we learn again that it is more blessed to give than to receive. In Acts 20 it says, And everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And we become 
what we behold. So we're in God's presence. We're meditating on his word. We're worshipping him with, with praise and with thanksgiving. Oh God, you're almighty. And then we obey what he says in those moments. He activates us. We know that delayed obedience is disobedience, right? So whatever he says to you, do it. Do it. We become what we behold. So empowered by the Holy Spirit, let's behold the glory and the beauty of the Lord Jesus by meditating on his word, singing his praise and obeying his commands. The more we clearly see him, the more we will become like him. And as we go into this week, I wanna ask you, one, how can you reflect on his worth? What does that look like for you? Two, how can you declare his worth? And three, how can you display his worth? Or what can you do? It might be something that you need to stop doing. I'm done. Am I on time? Cool. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Aren't you lovely? But let's pray. And then we're going to practice. If that's okay. Want to jump to your feet. Lord. May we be a people of beholding and becoming, being transformed by seeing your face. May we be like David chasing you, putting aside everything to seek your face, quietening everything that we can behold you. And in that beholding, we are becoming. Let us be sober and reflecting on our priorities and realign what needs to be realigned so we can truly see your face. Like Moses, we wanna see you. Lord, would you reveal more of yourself to us? as we come into that secret place to meditate, to praise and to obey you. Lord, we wanna know you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full 